Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. Wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you and I hope you enjoy this episode. Are you there yet? Philippians 3. Turn your Bibles. Notebooks are open. Greek lexicons are out. Palm, palm pilots are turned on. Who doesn't know what a palm pilot is? Wow. Google it. Later. All right, Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Reading from the ESV, but this particular passage in Philippians is incredible. And the reason is, is because Paul, in a spiritual sense, tells his story. This is Paul giving his testimony. And you see, you see Paul's testimony through all parts of the New Testament, book of Acts and whatnot, but this is actually a powerful, powerful parallel that Paul gives us right here. So verse one, he says, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Verse two, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. This is Paul going through his pedigree, going through his background. He says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to someone who's on fire to do God's will and to, 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 to do everything he can in his own power. He says, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Verse seven, but look at it right here, what he says. He says, but whatever, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, right? Underline those words, surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today. Father, we thank you that your word always breathes life into us. It always speaks to us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So Holy Spirit, we're wide open. We're ready. We're available. Father, we just want you to speak to us today. Lord, thank you that your word it never returns void. It always comes back to us 
um, with dividends, with returns, God. Father, we thank you that you're building up colonial kids right now, Father, as they're enjoying time in your house as well. Thank you that that time is blessed, Lord, as they spend time learning about you, learning about your word, Father, understanding their calling, Lord, getting a greater glimpse of Jesus for themselves, Lord. Father, we thank you for everything you're doing in a faith-filled church said. Amen. amen. Come on, let's get a hearty amen this morning. Amen. amen. Come on online. Amen. Type amen in the chat. Type it in there. Give us your best emoji as well. All right, new series alert this morning. Starting a brand new series. I'm really excited about it. It's called Solar Fide. Write that down. Solar Fide, which is Latin for faith alone. Faith alone. Solar Fide, faith alone. But I wonder how you see faith. We just read about Paul's experience with faith. And it's pretty incredible the way the Apostle Paul talks about faith. But I wonder how you see your faith. I wonder how you see the faith of your life. What is your faith built on? I once heard a person say at a, at a, um, a memorial of life, they were going through a devastating loss and someone asked them, you know, you're gonna be okay. You're gonna make it through. And they made this comment. They said, oh, my faith will help me get through. And I thought about that. I was just like, well, what are they actually talking about? What is actually the point here? I wonder what your faith is built on. Is your faith built upon perhaps education? Your understanding, what you've learned? Is your faith built upon, upon what you've heard? Built upon history, maybe a historical narrative of religion or world history? Maybe your faith's built upon morality, which is simply your version of good, living to a level of good that you believe you need to attain to. Maybe your faith is built on that. Or is maybe your faith really the faith of someone else? Maybe a grandparent, maybe a, a, a relative, or maybe a friend that has uh, faith and you think, oh, are you sort of living off that person's faith? It's almost like passive faith. But I wonder today what your faith is built upon. You know, faith in someone else's faith is not really faith at all. I wonder if your faith is built upon the life you live, the things you do or the path you've been on as a good person. That old thinking that if you do good, you'll get good. If I do good, then I'll get good from God and I'll get to heaven. I wonder if your faith is built on this works kind of idea that I'm always running a tab with God. Like I'm always running a tab. There's always this constant tab in my life, but if I do the right things, if I, if I can motor hard enough, if I, can, if I can come up with the right strategies and live the right way and I get a little bit of luck on the side, then that tab will get paid off over time. I remember my school motto, I'll never forget, I went to St. Pius X College Chatswood, Sydney, Australia. I loved my school, but the school motto was this, fidate labore, faith and hard work, faith and hard work. That was what was drilled into us schoolboys in Australia, and it was a great motto because I think it's true. I mean, that's hard, the Bible talks about hard work. Hard work is valuable. Hard work is good. But here's what I've learned now that I'm a believer is works and faith don't equal salvation. That's not true Christian faith. What is faith? Well, Hebrews 11, verse one. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
the conviction of things not seen. And we're going to talk about faith. We're going to talk about fide, faith alone in these coming weeks and why faith alone, sola fide, faith alone is so vital. You know, Martin Luther, the great reformer, he talked about sola fide. It's one of the key ingredients in the Reformation, one of the key things. But he said this, he's been quoted as saying that without sola fide, the, God, the, the church, without faith alone, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the true church would not be able to stand for but an hour without sola fide, faith alone. So faith is vital. And perhaps this series will for you be a a good stripping way. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Can I encourage you to lean in in this series, to really lean in and let let it soak, let God's word soak in on you because this could be a great stripping away for you of all the other things, of all the works, of all the, of all the, oh, I gotta, I gotta work off my tab with God and return us to a place of understanding, no, it's only through sola fide, faith alone in Jesus that I'm here. So my point is this, our faith really has nothing to do with who we are or what we have done. Sometimes we can find ourselves in a place where we think that the outworking of our faith is maybe about what we do or the person we are. And in the, series, in the messages to come in this series, we're gonna talk about what happens after we get this revelation and how that affects how we live. But we've gotta start from this place. Sometimes we can find ourselves trying to outwork our faith about what we do and the person that we are. See, our faith isn't in those things. That's not sola fide, faith, gospel faith, true Jesus-centered faith is not like that. I want you to write this down as we begin this series. Come on, write this down. Faith is about Him, not about us. Faith is about Him, not about us. This series is gonna be about reshaping, if need be, our faith and being reminded all over again of what our true faith in Jesus is all about. And I'll give you a hint, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got nothing to do with you and everything to do with Jesus. Faith is not about me. Yes, I get involvement, but ultimately, faith is about God. See, in Philippians 3, this letter to the, the church in Philippi, it's Paul's happiest letter. He's writing it from house arrest in Rome. It's his happiest letter. It's, it's actually pretty brief, four chapters, so it's pretty short. But it's his happiest letter, his most infectious happy letter. And, you know, I learned this in studying this particular letter is that in house arrest, Paul, he was chained to a Roman soldier. He had to take care of all his own needs. So you get to be in house arrest, but you have to pay your own rent. You have to pay for your own food. You have to pay for your own, um, you know, everything down to the ink in your pen. You had to take care of, and it was actually the church in Philippi that supported Paul. But he writes to the church in Philippi, And it's almost like this moment in the middle of the letter in chapter three just gets right down to business. He gets right back to, and he reminds them what it's all about. He says in verse one, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you is no trouble for me and is safe for you in the message. It says better to be safe than sorry. So here goes. So Paul says this, this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. And Paul uses his story. He uses his background. He uses the journey that he was on and paints this beautiful parallel, this beautiful picture of what God does when it comes 
to faith. He uses background, upbringing, credentials, his natural pathway, his pedigree. And he tells the Philippians, he says, according to the law, I was right. I was right. The world was wrong, but I was right. I was right. Verse four, though myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks they have reason for confidence in the flesh, look at what he says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, the people of Israel, he goes through it, the tribe of Benjamin, the Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, look at the word, blameless. He's like, I was right. When it comes to the world, when it comes to their standing with God, when it comes to their potential to get into heaven, they were wrong, but me, I was right. I'm good. Paul said, if you wanna go under the old system, the old way of doing things, the old tab mentality, man, I'm as good as it gets. Put your faith, put your stock in me because it's going up, Paul says, if it was under those conditions. He tells him, he says, according to the law, I was right. But then he goes on. He says, I was blameless. He's painting the picture. He's like, if it's gonna be about works, if it's gonna be about keeping the law, if it's gonna be about doing good deeds and being right, I'm as right as they get. But look at verse seven. He says, but whatever gain I had, speaking of all that, all of that value, all of that pedigree, all of that, you know, genetics, whatever you want to call it, all of the, the promotion, all of the, the like perfection. It says, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth, the continual, that, that, those words surpassing worth, it's almost like it's value that keeps going up. It's value that keeps, it's surpassing worth, the value of knowing Jesus, being in relationship with Jesus. Come on, have I got a brother and sister in Christ here today? The value of knowing Jesus, it just goes up. The surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ and righteousness that comes from God that depends, I love that, depends on faith, sola fide. You know, we have such a need to be right, don't we? In our lives, it's our natural tendency. It's our natural tendency that is, it, it, we just have to be right. We have to be right, you know, a great quote when it comes to marriage, I heard this, was just perfect. It's like, do you wanna be right or do you wanna be happy? <laughs> but there's this need on the inside of us to always wanna be right. So we're gonna start from the bottom when it comes to this understanding sola fide, faith alone. We have to start from the beginning place. We have to get back to where we were, okay? So point number one, I want you to write this down, but don't, don't go too far into the deep hole just yet, okay? It's gonna be fine. But point number one, write this down, I am wrong. Write it down. I know it hurts to hear it. I know it hurts to write it, but just put it in there for a moment. Just trust me, we're going somewhere. I am wrong. And then write this down, no right living could undo my wrong being. 
No amount of right living can undo my wrong being. See, this is where we all began. This is where we all start from. You know, one of the best things you can say in life, I think, is I was wrong. Just bringing it up to 2020 for a moment. One of the best things you can do sometimes is just say, you know what, I got it wrong. I'm I'm wrong. I think even about my kids, you know, I just, I, I don't want them to see a dad that always has to be right. I want them to see a dad who has a humility and the willingness to put pride down for a moment and say, you know, I got that wrong. I got that wrong, but this is what I learned. One of the best things we can say in life, and I believe when you read something in Scripture that you don't necessarily, doesn't, doesn't stick well with you, it kind of grabs you, strikes you, maybe causes you to feel like you might get offended, can I just encourage you, the best thing you can do is say, I'm probably wrong or I'm missing something here. What can I learn? Because immediately you take on the position of humility. And what is God? God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the prideful. But that's not our culture in 2020. No, 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 no. We live in a society and a culture where we have to be right. I mean, just look at the current climate of rightness in our world, self-rightness. You cannot be on social media today unless you're ready to hear someone tell you how wrong you are and how right they are. See, social media is toxic in our culture, and I believe it's something that needs to be used for the purposes of God. Social media to me is just, let's just let's, let's push Jesus into this thing. Let's just get the name of Jesus in social media. Let's get scripture in social media. Can I just encourage you, whatever you're posting, make sure you just post about Jesus. Use it, turn it over for the kingdom of God. I read a psychologist statement about this, this obsession in our culture to be right and said this. It said, why is it so vital to be right? Well, to begin with, he says. If you're not right, then in this culture, you're indeed wrong. And with that comes the accompanying sense of humiliation and failure. See, we've developed this culture where it's like, if you're not the smartest person at the table, then you should be shamed, then you should be guilted, then you should be, whatever happened, just saying, having a posture of learning, saying, I don't know, I've got it wrong, teach me, help me, I wanna get better, I don't know about you, but that seems like a culture that God can work with. But the truth about all of it is we need to start by understanding that I was wrong, I am wrong. And it all finds its root in the fall. Genesis 3 and verse 4, this is a serpent speaking to Eve. It says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman. Look at verse 5. It says, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. You'll be like God. You'll be right. But here's the thing. We're all, none of us are right. None of us begin right. We're all wrong. When it comes to wrongness, we were all born completely wrong before God. None of us are right when it comes to our posture before God. Romans 3 and verse 10, as it is written, no one is righteous, not one. All have turned aside, no one understands, no one seeks God, all have fallen short. Isaiah 64 and verse 6, we have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. In the message, it says, we've sinned and kept at it so long. Is there any hope for us? Can we be saved? We're all sin-infected, sin-contaminated. Our best efforts are grease-stained rags. 
Trust me, we're coming out of this hole in just a moment, but I just want to say something real quick, okay? I want to say something real quick. When it comes to how wrong we were and any amount of right living to try to undo this wrongness, you know what the Bible says about that effort? That even on our very best day, our best moment, the best of intentions, the best deed, the best thing that we could think up, the most humble posture, doing something good, the Bible says is as good as yours and my garage rags. That's where we are. That's where we were. I am wrong. That's where we start. That's where we begin. That's what the Bible says. So point number one, I'm wrong, but here we are. We're gonna get, it's gonna get better. Number two, God has intervened. God has intervened. God has decided that there would be another way for me. He's decided that a sinner could be saved. Oh, I believe that deserves an amen. What God has done is he's intervened. He's decided that through faith alone, through sola fide, that we could be saved. That anyone who chooses to put their faith in Jesus Christ should never be put to shame. God has intervened. God has stepped in. God has decided to to meet us in a place where we couldn't help ourselves. You know, yesterday was a busy day in the McClory household. We had a pretty full day. Kids were playing pretty much from the moment they woke up to the moment they went to sleep. And usually that moment when they go to sleep is when Jill and I say, praise God, hallelujah. (laughs) But it was a great day. Kids had baseball and, you know, then we went to a cousin's birthday party and they were just going for it all day. And my youngest, Charlie, he just like, he's just got this, he's had a growth spurt or something. He's gone to a next level of energy. Like, you know, I think he's been like, like just having Red Bulls or something. Like he's got that kind of like energy right now. And I was watching him yesterday and he was getting to the peak, you know, like, you know, kids, they get to the peak and you just look at him and you're like, man, I'm not sure how long this can go on. And sure enough, we're sitting there at this this birthday party and they're running around and someone's throwing the football and I remember seeing Charlie run across the yard looking at the football but not looking in front of him and he hits this edge stone of the landscaping right in the shins big just and he hit it hard too like he was not looking down at all and he just went straight down straight down and I got straight up and I was like oh and I ran over to him and I picked him up and you know, we dusted him off, Jill and I, we got some ice and took care of him and sat him down for a minute, gave him some candy just to, you know, take it to the next level, <laughs> as you do as a parent. <laughs> but it got me thinking about this message, that God has intervened, that I was down and I was out, that I was broken, that I was bent out of shape that I was wounded and I was gone. But God has intervened. He stepped out. He's decided he would meet me where I was at. He's picked me up. He's dusted me off. He's healed me through Jesus. See, God has intervened. God has decided He's run over, he's lifted me up, he's dusted me off, he's given me a hope for the future in the prophesied Jesus as the Messiah. And through him, he's healed my transgressions and my wounds. And he's set me free again. 
See, the thing about God today, you've got to understand, is that, yeah, you were wrong. And we were wrong. But God has intervened. Isaiah 1 and verse 18, I love this scripture. In verse 18, it says, come now, let's settle this. It's like a, it's like a father speaking to a child. It's like, come now, let's settle this matter. Let's take care of this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. So listen to me, friend, today online as well. Number one, I am wrong. No level of rightness could have ever fixed my wrongness. But God has decided to change all that. He has intervened. Number three, the good news today is this. Jesus has made me right. Jesus has made me right. Verse nine, Paul says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith, come on, through faith, through sola fide, faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. And he goes on, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, become like him in his death and by any means possible. I love that. By any means possible. I believe our church, when it comes to the gospel and proclaiming and getting the word out, inviting people to church, we're gonna be a church that's by any means possible. Let's get out there. By any means possible, let's reach the lost. By any means possible, let's help ordinary, everyday people understand that yes, you were wrong, but God has intervened. Everything has changed because of Jesus. By any means possible. His resurrection may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. Look at it. I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ has made me right. You know, I was talking about my sons just before, but I recently made the huge error of taking them to play golf. They're five and six. I know, I was not thinking that day. But I just wanted to go hang out. They love to come out with me and went out and the, the, the plan was just for us to ride in the cart, just us, you know, two boys and they fight over who wants to drive and they fight over who's gonna hit clubs and it's just, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> but I don't know why, but when I showed up and I was about, we were about to, we were just gonna play nine holes and I started, we started going towards the, the, the first hole and this lovely couple comes over and they're like, oh, we're, we're playing by ourselves too could we play with you guys? And I stood there, I was just like thinking in my head, you must be crazy. Do you see I have a five and a six-year-old? Like golf is supposed to be relaxing, lady. What are you doing to yourself? Like I felt bad for her. I was like, do you realize what you're saying? And then they go and they're like, oh, we would love to play with your kids. That would be so, and I'm just thinking, oh my gosh. Oh, this is not gonna end well. And somehow, by the grace of God, <laughs> faith alone, <laughs> we got through it. And, you know, it was, it was fun. We just had a good time. The kids loved it. And we got to the ninth hole, and it was time for us to go. <laughs> and I always keep two business cards in my, in my wallet thing. I have like a phone wallet thing, probably like you. And I keep two business cards that say Colonial Church, 550 State Road 207, and my, my name and my number. And this lovely couple, I have no idea where they're at, 
have no idea what their faith is, have no idea their, their journey or anything. All I've done is played, you know, and barely talked to them hardly at all. They seem lovely. But I walked up to them and I gave them each card. And I said, hey, don't know where you're at. Don't know if you would ever come to a church like ours, but I just want to invite you. I just would love for you to come. Here's the address. Here's my number. You call me anytime. If you're going to come, let me know. We'd love to host you at church. We'd love for you to be a part of what we're doing. And I'll see you later. And they, you know, they were kind of shocked. But here's the thing, if you get this revelation today, that, that, that you were so wrong. See, it wasn't until I was made right did I realize how wrong I was. When God made me right and I realized, oh my gosh, because of Jesus, God has intervened on my behalf, it changes everything. So a simple conversation could be the game changer for someone else. And we could so easily live our life and, and get into this comfort zone. Where it's just like, oh, you know, I don't, I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know how they're going to react. I don't know if they're going to be, you know, chill with me after I invite them to church. Who cares? God has intervened. God has made a way. God has said, come, let us settle this. And I'll do away with your sins. I'll make you as white as snow. Jesus has made me right. And his timing could not have been better. His timing could not have been better. Look at Romans 5 and verse 6. Team, you can join me. In the New Living Translation, it says in verse 6, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time. Can I encourage you when it comes to inviting your friends to be a part of church? Can I in, in, encourage you when it comes to that text you think you may or may not send to a person? Can I just encourage you? Just step out in faith. Let God take care of the timing because Christ came at just the right time. God can handle the timing. The Holy Spirit can minister in a moment. His timing is perfect because there was a time when we were so wrong. There was a time when we were utterly helpless. There was a, a time, the Bible says, that it was a dividing wall of hostility between you and between God, between me and between God, but because of Jesus and because of the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed, the perfect blood, the perfect sacrifice, because of Jesus, He has created a pathway. He has created a way for you and for me when we were utterly helpless and gone. Christ came at the right time. And sometimes we find ourselves saying things like, well, I'm just not sure if, this is for them. Well, I'm not sure, just not sure if I, I, I should or not. I've come to a place in my journey where I was just like, you know what, if they never talk to me again, it's okay. Because this is too important. This matters too much. My wrongness is that, that history that I had. I've said this before, I'll keep saying it, but sometimes we just need to remember how unsaved we were. And then just remember how good God is. And it changes everything. Can I get an amen this morning? Would you stand with me? I wanna pray for us. Here's what I think God is doing in this series because as He gives me a series, I always wrestle with the timing. I get a series, I get, I really believe God's saying something that He wants to speak to the church and Sometimes it's just difficult to know when the timing is right, and I trust God with the timing. Like it says in Romans 5, God's timing's perfect. 
And here's what I, my interpretation of what God is doing now is He's returning us to the true gospel. And what do I mean by that? I mean, just like in the Reformation, that all over again, this is what we need to do in our walk with God is we need to keep going back to that central focus, that central place of saying that it is just sola fide. It is just faith alone. There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I could say. There's nothing that I could try to come up with in my own strength. There is no tab. And it is from this place that we move forward in Jesus' name. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd just like to pray for people maybe that have made it less about faith and more about stuff. Less about faith, less about Jesus and more about how perfect we're living. I want, us, I want this to be a moment where we say the beginning of this series, step one, is that sola fide, it is through faith alone that I live my faith, that I live out my Christianity, that I live out my relationship with God. It's not based on anything I do. So with every head bowed and eyes closed, what I wanna do is if you feel like this is resonating with you, you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying something to you right now, and that somehow maybe you've made your journey with God about stuff, about rules, about checklists, about doing it all right. I wanna pray for you. I want us to pray. So if that's you today, just while no one's looking around, you're saying, yeah, I need to return back to that sola fide, faith alone. Just you and me, God. Just want you to raise your hand. I wanna pray for you. So good. Father, we trust you. And God, we just pray right now, Lord, that we would strip away, Father, whatever needs to be stripped away, God. Father, whether it's routine or whether it's tradition, whether it's like whatever thinking even, Lord, that we're allowing to come into the place that only you should occupy. Father, I pray right now through the power of the Holy Spirit today, Lord, sola fide would reign supreme in our hearts. Lord, that it would be through faith alone. It would be through faith in Jesus, Lord, that we make the central focus, God. We do away with works. Father, we do away with a tab. Father, we say it's not about what we do. It's about who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, let's take a moment right now. Let's really lean in. Let's worship God. Thanks for listening to that podcast. We pray it blessed you and empowered you in all that God's got for you, why don't you share that with a friend, someone who maybe needs to hear it. We'd love for you to also to visit us um, either online at colonialchurch.life or here at church at 550 State Road 207 here in St. Augustine, Florida. Be blessed.